This is Courtney Hay. I see the girls by the pool. And I am shaking. And they are playing it cool. This is and they the are playing Wise Gals Podcast. And in rhythm. We're constantly learning. And in rhythm. Period. End of sentence. Hello. 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 Welcome to episode three. Yeehaw. What are we talking about today, Court? So today we are going to talk about something that is very relevant in both of our lives as well as a lot of people's lives that we know. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about depression. Yes, we will be. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we're talking about depression on a women's health podcast is because women are actually twice as likely than men to suffer from depression. Yeah, so it's super relevant. And if you're unfamiliar with what depression is, so depression defined by uh, CAMH is a complex mood disorder caused by various factors, including genetic predisposition, personality, stress, and brain chemistry. Now, if you look at major depressive disorder, it's classified based on various symptoms, uh, including physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, and cognitive symptoms. So we're going to go over those so that you can identify if you have these symptoms or if people around you do. uh, And this is how we're hoping to help you guys. Now, looking at physical symptoms, those are things such as sleep disturbances, uh, insomnia or sleeping too much, Mm -hmm. tiredness, lack of energy, and that means that even small tasks such as getting out of bed take a lot of extra effort, reduced appetite and weight loss, or on the other spectrum, increased cravings for food and weight gain, and lastly, unexplained physical (laughs) problems such as back pain or headaches. Yeah, and some of the uh, emotional symptoms experienced with depression include feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness. This can also include angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, often feelings of worthlessness or guilt, fixating on past failures, and very frequently self-blame. Anxiety, agitation, or restlessness is often included. Frequent or reoccurring thoughts of death, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts or suicide, and disinterest from regular activities. And lastly, we have the cognitive symptoms, which include slowed thinking, speaking or body movements, trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, and remembering things. No court, just looking at these symptoms is really eye-opening to myself because, I mean, I struggle with most of those things that we mentioned on the list, Mm -hmm. whether that be on the emotional, physical, or cognitive side of symptoms. All of those are relevant to me, or a lot of them are relevant to me. Now, the reason we're talking about depression is because, as Court mentioned, it's something that we struggle with. It's something right now that I'm struggling with daily, especially in this since the beginning of January. And it's mm-hmm. extremely important to talk about women's mental health because it's something that we so often just put under the rug, 100%. swipe away, and don't talk about how we're actually feeling. Yeah. We're hoping that through this podcast today, you guys will realize these signs and symptoms and potentially admit to yourself that you are struggling with depression and hopefully you can help yourself and those around you. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of the episode today is really just to help you identify if you are experiencing any of these signs and symptoms and help you get the the help that you need. So for me, I have struggled with depression in the past, 
a lot of the symptoms that I have experienced is insomnia. I mentioned this in the the episode before. Insomnia is a huge part of my existence, um, and this often plays into a lot of my depression as well as my depressive episodes. Anxiety is a huge one for me as well. I do struggle more with anxiety than I do with depression, but they are co- uh, like they are interrelated. Um, so often my anxiety can lead into my episode of depressions. I do struggle with ruminating thoughts, fixating on past events, and really self-blaming myself for those past events. I do have feelings of sadfulness, tearfulness, as my roommates know. I am a little bit of a crier. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> uh, the way I like to describe my depression, I guess like is a funny word to use, but how I usually <laughs> describe my depression to my friends or family, I describe my depression as a dark cloud. When I have these depressive episodes, almost one or two days before they hit, I can feel them coming on. Mm-hmm. My anxiety is a constant state of my being. I am a very anxious person, and because of this, I am very productive. I am, you know, very busy. But my depressive episodes are very different than my anxiety, making it very easy for me to identify. I don't have that motivation that I do with my anxiety to do things. I have difficulty getting out of bed. So it's very much of a different experience for me. Um, But it's different for everyone. Everyone has their own unique experiences and Mm -hmm. symptoms of depression. What about you, Shay? Like, what are some of the symptoms that you experience? Yeah, so, I mean, just like you said, it's so different from your anxiety that you have, uh, which is the same as myself. You know, I have those times where I can't get out of bed. You know, I can't make myself food. All I do is, you know, get out of my bed to go to the bathroom maybe once a day. Mm -hmm. But going back, you know, the first time I ever experienced depression was really interesting because it was right after a really huge goal that I met. So, Court, you know that I trained for this big marathon, I did the marathon, and literally the day after I achieved this lifetime goal of mine, I was stuck in bed, so depressed, I could not get out of bed to feed myself, I couldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom, I didn't tell anyone that I was struggling with this because it was during reading week, I had no one around me, and I just thought, you know, this is how everybody is feeling right now, even though I was going through this major depression. So I felt really out of place socially and out of place in my body Mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone sees me as this cheery person. I have, you know, a bigger personality and all of a sudden I was this person that was closed off to the world. So I really couldn't understand myself and I didn't know what was going on. Like, you know, why was I crying every day? Why did I not enjoy the daily activities like running that I really enjoyed before? Yeah. And it took a phone call to my family for my mom to say, you know what, maybe you're experiencing depression. So it took an outside source for me to realize these things, which was really interesting. Uh, But during those times, things I, you know, experience and things that I experience in my depression today or, you know, to this day is constant fatigue absolutely no concentration, no motivation, which has led me to reduce my course load at work, which Mm -hmm. has been hard for me to realize, but really important for my mental health. Physical things like tightness in my chest, no hunger, can't get out of bed, as I said, and just, you know, this utter feeling of sadness every day. Mm -hmm. And that's important to understand, Uh, you know, how you experience depression is not the same as everyone else. And it's important to look at all the symptoms and figure out which ones you identify with and figure out your pattern for your specific 
depressive episodes Hmm. or the depression that you're experiencing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how I like to measure my depression, which Mm -hmm. sounds weird Mm -hmm. because it's hard to quantify, but I'll pick an activity. Okay. So, something I really enjoy, especially in the summers, is mountain hiking. And so, I'll pick this activity, and when I'm in this really deep, dark depression, I look at climbing a mountain, and I'm like, why would someone do that? That activity seems so stupid. There's no relevance to it. Why would you climb a mountain? Then, you know, later in the week, as my depression starts to lighten up a little bit, I look at hiking again, and I say, okay, I see why people would want to hike, but I still don't understand why I would do it. I would never want to do that. Then my depression gets a little bit better and I can look at hiking a mountain again and go, you know what? This is an activity that I love to do and I see the goal in doing it and I cannot wait to do it when I'm out of this slump. So it's just realizing, you know, where you are on this spectrum of your depressive episodes. Sometimes they're really intense and sometimes they're just, you know, these daily small struggles that you deal with. So it's important to look at yourself from this outsider perspective to be able to realize how you're coping with the different things in your life. And having an external measure like that can be super important and useful in your life to understanding the extent of your depression, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we don't realize, as you said in your first episode of um, depression, we don't always understand what we're going through. And so using an external source like that to measure it can be helpful in identifying what you need. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now that we have a better understanding of the signs and symptoms of depression, again, why we're talking about depression on a woman's podcast is because women are twice as likely as men to develop depression, and specifically during our reproductive years. So women are at a higher risk for depression during periods of hormonal fluctuations. So this includes the premenstrual period, pregnancy, postpartum period, so after you have a baby, transition into menopause, as well as early menopause years. Wow. And those are, that's like a, most of a woman's lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much from the age of, you know, whenever you get your period, which could really be eight to 17 and then onwards, right? Yeah. Where you have this heightened risk of developing depression. Mm. So these events in a woman's life represent windows of vulnerability, for depression. So specifically after menarche, which is your first period, during the premenstrual period, which is the time before the period starts, you do, you can develop premenstrual syndrome, which is also known as PMS. And this is one of the causes of depression. Mm. So approximately 75% of women experience at least one symptom of PMS. So that's wow. a significant <laughs> amount of... most women. <laughs> exactly. And 20% of women have clinically significant to severe PMS. Wow. Yeah. So, seriously dealing with the symptoms of PMS. Okay. So, the symptoms of PMS we are very familiar with. The physical ones, often a lot of us experience it, which could be abdominal cramping, Mm -hmm. bloating, you know, Mm -hmm. that craving (laughs) for certain types of food, all of those. But some of the psychological symptoms which are debilitating and lead to depression, are anger, anxiety, depression, of course, is one of the symptoms, irritability, sense of being, feeling overwhelmed, sensitivity to rejection, Mm. and social withdrawal. It's important to know that women are often stigmatized as being these hormonal monsters during our times of our period. 
Right. But we need to realize that these symptoms are normal and a result of our hormone fluctuations. And the social stigma can often downplay the symptoms and make women question their own feelings. Mm. But it's super important to note that this is happening as a result of your hormonal fluctuations. Yeah. You're not making it up. This is valid. This is very valid. Ah, so PMS leads into depression for a lot of women. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the symptoms of PMS can also cause depression. Right. One of those interrelated ones. Um, And so another type of disorder is called premenstrual dysphoric disorder, also known as PMDD. So PMDD is just a more severe form of PMS. So it's found in approximately 3 to 8% of women of the reproductive age. And it has a very defined on and off time course that occurs okay. for the, the symptoms. And it occurs during the late luteal phase and it stops soon after menses. If you're interested in understanding the different phases of your period, if you're not sure what the luteal phase is or menses, all this, tune into our first episode all about periods yes we will we definitely explain that all we dive right into that so if you're interested in learning more about that and understanding take a look at that but some of the symptoms of pmdd include depression anxiety irritability anger insomnia difficulty concentrating lethargy which is you're just feeling exhausted um changes in your appetite overeating or like very specific food cravings hyperinsomnia or insomnia, Mm -hmm. a sense of, you know, feeling overwhelmed or out of control, as well as physical symptoms such as joint or muscle pain and bloating and waking. So a lot of us experience those symptoms and a lot of them have to do with PMS. PMDD is, you cannot control these symptoms. Okay. They are way more heightened than they are for the PMS. And so antidepressants is the first line of treatment for PMDD. Okay. They are the treatment because they help regulate the hormones and alleviate these symptoms. Mm. So, PMDD is something that can be super isolating, but as you mentioned, it works better treated medically rather than through something like talk therapy? Yeah, because the depression as a result of the symptoms is caused by the hormone fluctuations. Okay. Yes, it's it's not a result of something that's going on in their environment. It's a result of their, their hormone levels in their body. Right. And as a result, medication is the best option in treating this. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, so, you know, these are some of the, you know, specific characteristics that women experience during hormonal fluctuations. So... Both of these two disorders, the PMS and the PMDD, are two likely reasons why a woman could experience increased vulnerability to depression due to these hormone fluctuations. Mm-hmm. It is super important as well to take a look at the context in which women live. You know, we talked a lot about this um, on our last episode, mm-hmm. in which women have very different lived experiences than men. Right. Yeah, you know, completely if we look different. At, yeah, exactly. We look at the, the history, um, we look at how women are oppressed, as well as the sexism that they ex- we have experienced in the past, as well as in our current society. Um, you know, we talked a lot about this in the last episode, saying how maybe a lot of social changes has occurred in the workplace, but often a lot of the social roles women's experience in the home are very much the same. Mm-hmm. And so the sexism and this oppression is still a huge part of women's life today. And because of this, women may have increased vulnerability and exposure to stressful life life events Mm -hmm. and this could increase their risk of depression 
This also has large implications on how women internalize their worth and can result in, you know, this increased susceptibility. Right. Well, you're right. Women do have so many unique experiences, especially physical experiences, and one of those is actually childbirth. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a big traumatic experience for the body and for the mind. Yes. Now, the topic I chose to focus on today is postpartum depression, because, again, that's unique to women, and it's a really big time of physical, psychological, and social changes. So, a woman, you know, may go from having no kids in the house, a first-time mother, to having this infant in her life that completely changes all aspects of her life. Yeah. She's now not going to work. Mm-hmm. She's potentially not eating the same things as she was prior to her pregnancy. There's a different aspect of relationship between her and her partner now that there's this baby. Yeah. And this really increases a new mom's sense of vulnerability. 100%. She's this completely different person. Now, postpartum depression affects up to 19% of women in their first year following childbirth. So, this study that I looked at um, studied mainly first-time mothers. Okay. So, again, your postpartum depression can be experienced after each childbirth. So, that 19% would increase following multiple children. Interesting. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Hmm. So, commonly reported symptoms of postpartum depression include recurrent and impairing feelings of dysphoria, tearfulness, hopelessness, anxiety, guilt, and fatigue. And as we mentioned earlier, those all sound very common to normal non-postpartum depressive symptoms. Mm -hmm. You know, those are things we've experienced before, but that definitely does not mean we have postpartum depression because we've never had a kid. (laughs) Now, the difference between postpartum depression and uh, other types of depression is that this increase in depressive symptoms and depressive episodes not only affects the mother, but has effects on the infant as well. Postpartum depression is associated with cognitive development delays within the child, attachment insecurity, as well as poor social engagement. So, it just shows that if you are faced with postpartum depression, looking after your health will positively affect you and your child. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, mothers have this warrior attitude of they are the carer for all. They have to look after everyone in the family. And then that takes away the help that they need to give themselves. Yeah, I think that what I was mentioning before, too, that kind of connects back to that. Again, if we look at women's history and women's role in society, this was women's role. They mm-hmm. were the ones that were to stay home and take care of the children. Right. You know, take care of the husband. They were the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Historically. Yeah. It feels natural because that's kind of what we were raised to understand right. a mother's role as, right? Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of women reluctant to seek help Mm -hmm. because, you know, they can understand the symptoms of everyone around them. If their child is experiencing a rough time, they know that. But it's hard for a lot of women to reflect on themselves and understand, you know, do I need help? Is it time for me to seek some understanding on myself? And being okay with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So diving deep 
deeper into the study. Uh, it examined the reason why women believe their postpartum depression developed. And it was really interesting because they took multiple new mothers from different countries okay. and showed the different reasons why you know, women believe they develop postpartum depression. Okay. So, looking back on your point of the social aspect, yeah. different countries have different social roles for women and men. And cultural roles. Cultural, yeah. yeah. So, some of the different elements that they discovered were women believe there was an unequal share of per- the parental role between the male and the female, mm-hmm. being they had too much of a role. Compared to the father. Compared to the father, and they weren't able to handle that. Yeah. Another interesting one was the role of the mother was not matching the idealized expectations of motherhood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these mothers were expected to form this perfect family, and they did not feel as if their family was in this perfect bubble. Okay. And that led to their postpartum depression. Mm. Another really big one, which I kind of mentioned before, was a change in lifestyle. Suddenly, these women were stuck at home especially for women who had full-time jobs before, completely different change of lifestyle. Yeah. Lastly, you know, taking away from the psychological aspect of childbirth and raising an infant is the physical trauma that a woman has to go through for childbirth. Yeah, I, that's a huge one, I think. Yeah. Like, you... It's a recovery. It's a recovery. You're injured afterwards. Your body does not function the same way that it did before. And it probably could create a lot of negative relationships with your body. Yeah. Your body changes and that is not easy on your psyche. Yeah. So, for any of you listening out there that are new mothers or even have experienced postpartum depression or think you might be going through that, it is okay to get help. Mm -hmm. It will be so beneficial to you and the rest of your family and your child if you seek a therapist or try medications. Now, I know a lot of women are scared of medication, especially right after childbirth with breastfeeding, but talk to your doctor about medication. Talk to your doctor about therapy and start asking questions to help yourself. Yeah, and your doctor can advise you what might be the best route for you to take Mm -hmm. and uh, give you some more clarity on a solution. So, now we've mentioned a bunch of different types of depression that are unique to women, And breaking that down to a historical and social position is really important to look at this phenomenological approach to mental health. Court, do you want to explain that? Absolutely. I am a strong believer of the phenomenological approach. I think it makes so much sense specifically to my life. Mm -hmm. So basically what the phenomenological approach to mental health is, this approach suggests emotional suffering that we all experience maybe telling us something about the way we are being in the world, whether that be our environment, at home, or work, the relationships we have, whether whether they be romantic, work-related, family, friendships. And if we can change this way, then we can alleviate the emotional suffering that we do experience. Mm. So, for example, I mentioned that I am a very much a strong believer of this. I do understand it specifically from my life. So back in the spring, I experienced significant emotional trauma and this trauma persisted as a result of my environment and the relationships I lost and gained due to the trauma. As a result of this, I channels a lot of my energy into running and mm-hmm. over-exercising. I, I love it. I just needed that stimulus. 
and this was a huge way for me to, you know, overstimulate myself and reduce a lot of my symptoms of depression. Which worked at the time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. A lot of these symptoms were caused of my environment, or the, sorry, my depression was caused in my environment, and the exercise and mm-hmm. the running was really productive into treating my symptoms. And as we all know, exercise is very effective at managing mm-hmm. the symptoms of depression. Not treating depression, but managing the symptoms of depression, Big anxiety. Difference. Yes. A huge difference. So, as a result of this, I abused my, I like to say, quotation marks, drug, which was my running. And this resulted in a stress fracture for me. Mm-hmm. So, when my exercise was taken away, my symptoms of depression overwhelmed me. I had absolutely no way to cope, and the depression really took over. Mm. It took a huge toll on my body, and it was something that I hadn't really experienced before. And I had to figure out ways how to cope, like, different ways of coping other right. than running and over-exercising. Which is all you knew at the time. Yes. That was the way I knew how to manage my symptoms. It right. worked well for me. And so, basically, what I'm trying to point out is depression is not always a result of these hormonal or brain chemical imbalances that we had talked about with the PMS and the PMDD. And sometimes our environment and how we exist mm. within it can have significant implications on our mental health. And this is not me at all dis- dismissing medication or exercise and their beneficial effects for treating mm-hmm. mental health um, and mental illnesses because they are fantastic. I just think it is super important to look at the phenomenological lens and take a look and investigate what is the best method for you. Right. If exercise and medication is what works for you and it's appropriate for your situation, that is great. It's just when we abuse and we overuse these ways to manage symptoms to the point that it causes other problems, for, mm. like me, a stress fracture. I think it's a time. It's time to look at your environment that you exist in, right? And change the way that you're living within it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Redo your way of thinking, I guess. A hundred percent. It's just taking a look at the full picture. Right. Wow. So we've presented this idea statistically that women experience depression twice as or twice as likely to experience depression as men. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned that many times, due to these chemical changes, hormonal changes, life changes. But now that we know this, what are ways we can go about coping with our depression if you are struggling with it? As we mentioned, we both do struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. I'm currently struggling with depression, as I said, for the past few months. Mm -hmm. Something really important, or what I believe is important, what a lot of people believe is, is starting a conversation with the people closest to you. For me, that would be Court or our other roommate, Taylor, or my sister or my parents. So open up to these people about your symptoms. Uh, tell them what you're experiencing. And this is the first step of understanding your depression. Yes. If you're able to vocalize how you're feeling, that is so amazing. You know, sometimes I'll have people messaging me saying, you know, I'm having a tough time. And I'm like, Thank you. Thank you for telling me. That is so amazing that you're able to realize that you're having a tough time and you're able to tell somebody about it. Yeah, the hardest step is admitting it to yourself and then admitting yeah. it to other people. Now, it's sometimes really hard to bring up your depression in a conversation. Yeah. So, something that Court and I have developed over the years with each other is if we're having a tough day and, you know, we don't want to have this really tough conversation, we'll call it espresso depresso. A little code word. So, I'm like, oh, Court, you know, what's going on? And she's like, 
you know, I'm feeling a little espresso depresso. And that just kind of lightens up the conversation and we're able to talk about our mental health in a in an easier way. Yeah, it is a heavy topic and bringing it up can sometimes be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So using different ways or like different languages or ways of communicating it can be helpful yeah. in introducing it into a conversation. Right. Now, another thing about coping with your depression and interacting with those around you is one question that I absolutely detest is, how are you? (laughs) Now, of course, in society, we are so trained to ask everyone around us, how are you? And the person responds with, good, because they feel like they have to say that. Yeah. So, first of all, ask yourself, do you really want to know how this person is doing when you ask them, how are you? It's a greeting rather than a question. Yeah. And if you're looking to help your friend or help yourself with depression, try to stay away from how are you. You know, challenge this question. Challenge how you're comfortable asking people. Maybe ask something instead. What went on in your day? What is your goal for this week? What was the best part of your day? And this will start a better conversation than how are you? Good. Yeah, yeah, another one that I like to use as well, because how are you is a very common phrase. I feel Mm -hmm. like we're just so accustomed saying to it. Yes. It's just almost robotic. Another way I like to challenge it is when I ask someone, they say, how are you? They respond with good. I follow that up with, okay, but actually. Yeah. Really? How are you Really? How are you doing? Yeah. Because I think that's, you know... It's hard. Yeah. At the beginning of January, or sorry, at the end of January, when I was going through a really, really tough, like, emotional, traumatic time, I would walk outside and a random person would ask me, how are you? And I would reply with good or okay. And that was a big trigger for me because I had to put on this mask and give them an answer that they wanted and really just shoved my own feelings to the side and suppressed how I was actually feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we've both worked on for us to help cope with our depression and our other mental illnesses. But we also have different strategies to help. And one of those is Therapy. Therapy. Oh, we Woo! love therapy, don't Shout we? out to our therapists <laughs> out there. Yeah, so I see a therapist. Shay sees a therapist. Yes, we I are do. very comfortable with the idea of therapy. And honestly, everybody should be in therapy. Yes. If you don't think you should be in therapy, you especially need to be in yeah. therapy. <laughs> if you don't think it's for you, oh, it's definitely it's for definitely you. It's definitely for you. And you know, it's super important when you are looking for your therapist to find the right therapist for you. Mm-hmm. Not only the first time you go to your ther- like a therapist, sorry, it's not always going to be a match and that's no. okay. Be okay with that. Seek out the care you need. You know, it's like trying on jeans. It's like Shay trying said. on jeans. We were talking about this yesterday. Sometimes the bell bottoms aren't for you. Yeah. You go gotta try on another pair. Try on a couple to make sure the right one fits. And that's okay. Don't be discouraged if you go to your first therapy session and it wasn't how you wanted it to go, wasn't, you didn't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to talk to your family doctor and seek advice and they can often refer you to a therapist and help you find the the right one for you. Yeah, I know to find my therapist, I went through my doctor. He gave me a bunch of recommendations. They weren't exactly the type of therapist that I wanted. And then I ended up opening up to my mom about my struggles. She found a good recommendation from a friend. Mm -hmm. And now that is my therapist that I see weekly. Yeah, I also found mine through word of mouth. So talk to your friends as well. Yeah, ask around. People are going to therapy and it's great. I love it. 
Um, and they can just help you discuss your life and maybe reveal some things in your life that may be the cause of a lot of your emotional suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can help you make changes to your life or, if that's not a possibility, help you develop coping strategies to the circumstances that you are experiencing. Yes. Yes. Another thing to help cope with depression or other mental illnesses is exercise. Oh, we love exercise. We always say, you know, if exercise were to be put in a pill, all doctors would be prescribing this. Um, Now, numerous studies have shown the benefits of exercise and stress reduction through aerobic or resistance training. So, that would be, you know, through running or lifting weights at the gym. Mm -hmm. And that lower stress, which is, you know, a big creator of depression, increases endorphins. So, the chemicals that help you relax and feel more pleasure and less pain. Psychologically, it can increase self-esteem and self-efficacy, especially through goal-making and Mm goal-setting, and through a neurological approach. It can help your brain produce more dopamine and more serotonin, which are your happy chemicals. Oh, yes. I can't get enough. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, for real. (laughs) Exercise is really amazing, but of course, there's this balance. When it's used in excess, like Court mentioned, it leads to a downfall. So there is a perfect amount of exercise or this good medium where you should be meeting because studies have found individuals exercising more than 23 times a month and more than 90 minutes in duration that's actually associated with worse mental health okay and individuals who exercise three to five times a week have lower mental health burden than those who do more or less okay so it's kind of like a u-shaped curve yes whereas you do too little increased not levels good. of depression yeah too, too much, much not good and right in the middle there's that perfect. sweet spot that's the perfect amount another way of coping with depression that is commonly used is medication medication is needed for some people you know example we talked about pmdd earlier and medication is very effective at treating mm-hmm. it so people with pmdd often use antidepressants and this is exactly what they need and this is the first line of therapy for them And medication is just not needed in all situations, though. So it's important to have a conversation with your healthcare provider, whether that be your doctor, your therapist, about medication and see if it will be beneficial for you in Mm -hmm. the situation or not. And sometimes medication doesn't have to be forever. It can be used for a short while to help you get over a hard time. For example, my therapist has recommended to me that medication is the route to take because of my current state of life and the Mm -hmm. situation and the environment that I'm in. I can't change it at this moment in time. And until I'm in a space which enables me to work on myself, medication can allow me to cope and carry on with my daily life. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of stigma surrounding medication. You know, I myself struggle with that stigma. I have a hard time initially being okay with going on medication and being okay with it. But we also need to recognize that for some people, this is very effective and this is the route that yes. they should and they need to take. Yes. Mm-hmm. But again, talk to your healthcare provider. They know what's best for you, especially if you communicate well with them. Yes. Our last topic that we want to cover is, as a friend or family member, how can I help my friend or family who is experiencing depression? Mm-hmm. Our main thing would be listen. If you notice your friend or family is showing signs of depression and if they're open to discuss, the first step to help them is to listen to them. Mm -hmm. You know, by allowing them to tell you about their struggles, they're opening up the toughest aspects of their life, which is not easy, but they're looking for that connection with you. 
So respect that connection, foster the trust, and keep that conversation between you and your friend who is experiencing depression. Yeah, and as well as listening, it's super important to help them find the support that they need. Yes. You know, depression tends to override motivation and confidence. Mm -hmm. And although your friend might realize that getting help is the best thing for them and it's exactly what they need, it can be extremely difficult and scary, scary, feel impossible for them to reach out and get the support. Mm -hmm. So as this friend, you can help them by many ways, either researching therapists, help them set up an appointment by sending an email, giving you a call, and be their source of encouragement. Yeah, and I know when I'm in my really bad depressive episodes, I find it really, really hard to text, call, or email anyone. So during these times, you know, my mom or my friends have sent out emails or asked to help send out emails so that I could get in contact with my therapist and get an appointment ready because I just was not able to do that for myself at the time. So, we have covered a bunch of different topics on depression. We really hope that today's episode is educational for everyone out there, whether you're struggling with it, whether you know someone struggling with it, or if you just want to tune up on the topic of depression. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, of course, we have our articles linked in the description of our podcast that we use, but we will also have resources linked that will be able to help you through any depressive episodes that you are going through to help you get the help that you need. And if you do think that you might be experiencing depression or any type of mental illness, talk to your healthcare provider. They can help you identify the symptoms that may be specific to you Mm -hmm. and talk to your friends and family and get the help that you need. Yes, you're brave, you're awesome. We love you. can do this, we love you, and have a good day. Bye. Bye!